Welcome to Wing Torn. This is a story of a young man with an oath to avenge his parents, a young woman hiding secrets in her blood, and the intertwining fates of three on a mission to prevent all-out war between humans and the Fae. Because what fell before will rise again. This is a fantasy serial podcast. Written and performed by Claire C. Marshall. Book 3, Arrest. Riona's defensive spell took all of her concentration. Her connection to the spirit mother remained tenuous at best, as if attempting to parse a faraway conversation while underwater. Of the two Imperial guards assigned to watch her within the room they had paid for at the Tenley Inn and Coaching House, only one had remained vigilant. He sat on the Chesterfield, legs crossed, arms spread, and attention on the sights and sounds of the room. The second guard had fallen asleep on the chair, which she had moved a safe distance away from Riona to the door. Riona caught glimpses of the vigilant guard as she came to, experienced another round of gut-wrenching pain, and pretended to fall back asleep. Although the time between the attacks was lengthening and she felt considerably more capable than she had hours ago, the poison still wormed inside her. A full-blooded fae would have fared worse. Perhaps they would have died. As she lay in bed, taking an in-depth account of her various aches, pains, and her overall tactical disadvantage, her mind turned to Connor. She remembered hearing a struggle. Her defensive bubble had repelled imperial flies like a sweet vinegar trap. Then Connor had been arrested. For... murder. Surely that wasn't right. His magic was untamed, but he wouldn't intentionally kill someone. Unless it was Ricklar de Dianel, and even then, the young wielder would die in the attempt. Whomever was now dead, it wasn't Olivin. Oh, she'd heard the Imperials congratulating him on a job well done, serving up the Ashdown arsonists to the local lieutenant. But what a shame that a poor innocent had to suffer before justice could be done. The dead man would be identified soon, proper honors would be bestowed, and the matter would be put to rest in the morning. Put to rest for everyone except Connor, condemned to wait for his sentencing in a Drohoven jail cell, and Riona compelled to remain as still as a spider caught in the middle of the floor with nowhere to run. Connor was her responsibility. Not a chance would she leave him to rot or suffer any more than he already had, especially here in Drohoven. First, she had to get out of this prison, this awful, stuffy inn. Then, rescue Connor and exact revenge on Olivin, if possible. 
She waited until the watchful guard turned his head at an errant creaking noise, and then she sprung. In one movement, she abandoned her blankets and conjured a flurry of energy from the spirit mother, throwing both guards off their seats. She then cast a second spell to muffle the sound of them smashing into the floor. Finally, a third spell, to soften her own fall as she collapsed beside the now unconscious guards, gasping for air as another round of pain wrenched her gut. At her full strength, such a combination would not exhaust, but delight her, no more complicated than tossing crumpled paper across the room, just like she had done a thousand times to those who had wronged her. For how, how dare, dare they underestimate my power when they pathetic. Stop, she gasped. Then, a twinge in her ear. The sound of someone calling her name from a great distance. Fingal? She had felt him in their bond. It had been fleeting, but her heart raced with possibility. Perhaps he was alive after all. Wanting to call to him, she resisted the urge and tried to think on what he would do. Conserve your strength, he'd likely say. Or hide. She shook her head. She was no longer a child. She could handle her foes, the ones physically present and those who existed beyond her reach. Stepping carefully over the bodies, she pried open the door. The low light of the hallway lanterns didn't do much for her already softened night vision. As she stepped out, her nose curled at the slick, muddy footprints barely visible on the dark floor. It stank of the marsh and of Imperials. The mess was concentrated outside her room, the top of the nearby stairwell, and outside the room nearest the stairs. Below, the festivities had quieted. Hours had gone by. It had to be the middle of the night. She detected someone below coming and going, one of the staff cleaning up after a rambunctious, eventful evening. With great care, Riona followed the muddy footprints and their stench to the room at the top of the stairs and listened. She heard no signs of life inside, nor did she sense anyone. She turned the doorknob slowly. The door squeaked as it opened wide enough for her to pass through, revealing a near-identical room to the one she had just left, with one notable difference. A wash of dizziness overcame her. Her knees buckled as she lowered carefully to the floor so as to not fall and make a suspicious thud. It was not the gut pain that had seized her, but the sight of the dead man lying on his stomach on the rug beside the bed. His face was turned to one side, stricken with surprise. No wound was immediately visible. Already his face had paled to a rigid white-blue. It had been some time since she'd seen him, and he had aged considerably. But she knew the face, and could conjure his voice for memory. For the man lying beside her was none other than Paul Cantona, a lifelong friend, 
and champion of their cause. Kenjana, dead. How could this be? Why was he here? Did Fingal know they were to meet here? And why would he keep this from her? Most distressingly, no one had come for his body or his valuables. The room stank. Not just of death, but of perfume. Those idiots, instead of clearing out the body, opting foolishly to leave it until morning for an experienced mortician or healer or perhaps a seasoned investigator, they'd covered up the smell of his already rotting corpse. She thought of opening a window to clear out the stench and then realized it would also clear out any other potential helpful smells that would identify Kentana's killer. This wasn't Connor's handiwork, certainly. Some wicked force had caught up with the islander after years of evading and outthinking the enemy. No one was here to mourn him, except her. And it was likely because of her that he was here, dead. She covered her face with her hands and bowed her forehead to the floor, stifling her sobs as her body shook. How many more had to die because of their mission? Because of her mother, because of Ricklar, because all they wanted was to live in peace. She heard the young man plodding inconsiderately around the hallway, muttering under his breath. She thought about sliding herself under the bed, but she would not show him her cowardice, not when Connor was in danger and her dear patron lay lifeless before her. I'll avenge you, she promised him in a solemn whisper, to honor all that you have done. Behind her, the door creaked open further, and Riona spun to face the intruder, wiping her tears with determination on her sleeve. Uh, oh, what are you? Olivan's hand hovered above his sword, hanging proudly in a new scabbard at his hip, the loud imperialness of it insulting Riona with its very presence. You'll have a more difficult time arresting me, she warned him coolly. She gritted her teeth and focused on different parts of the room to remain emotionally present. A stack of newly purchased books abandoned on a leather chair. A clip containing at least 200 ergid rested squarely on the nightstand. Beside it, a strange golden ball inscribed with glyphs. Now what was that doing here? After awkwardly checking the hallway, Olivan closed the door to a slit and pressed himself against the wall. What are you doing here? What happened to your supervision? My supervision was inadequate, as you are. She curled her toes and blinked hard, summoning the last bit of her strength to conjure a fireball in her palm. It was more of a candle flame, struggling to absorb air as it danced, cradled in her hand. Olivan became consumed by it as his expression turned grave. I bet you killed him, not Connor, Olivan hissed, the fire flickering in his eyes. You seem to know him. I know you, and I haven't murdered you. She quipped impatiently. 
You think after I was poisoned, I thrashed around in bed for a while, and then I got up and murdered my friend? Oliven snorted and leaned against the wall, casually keeping an eye on the hallway. You're up now, moving about. Barely, she assured him. She closed her hand into a fist, extinguishing the magical flame. Your Imperial allies haven't found other evidence? Oliven averted his gaze. He seemed as frustrated as she was. No. Do they want to? Or was Connor conveniently at the right place at the right time? He didn't do it. It was the scav who ran out of the room. Big scar in his face, remember? He attacked us in the woods. Connor tried to stop him, but Lieutenant Choke came and... Oliven shrugged his helplessness. There was nothing left for him to say. Paul Cantona, head of his house, murdered by a chance break-in within an anti-fay town? It seemed unfitting, considering the life he led, the sacrifices he made. Had he been here in Drohoven, waiting for them? She hadn't known he would be here. If she hadn't eaten the soup, she would have noticed him come in, sensed his presence, surely. It was easy to jump to a fitting conclusion. This was yet another murder in a string of murders by the Fey Militia. The presence of the Scav complicated matters. The Fey Militia, and Ricklar especially, never hired humans to do a job the Fey could easily do themselves. On the surface, nothing about the scene had Ricklar's signature stamp, nor did it appear to be typical Scav work either. A lone person sneaking into an inn under cover of darkness just to murder a man? A wealthy man? That fit the profile of a Scav killing. But why not wait until he inevitably traveled the King's Road through the woods? Coming into town was far too risky a proposition, even for a scav. Unless, unless a reward had been promised upon completion of the deed. Various books and knickknacks had been meticulously placed throughout the room. Kentina rarely traveled without a few items from his collection, and she knew he had likely spent an hour decorating, elevating the stuffy, dark in-room to an eclectic, miniature museum. The bed was still freshly made. Perhaps he had arrived just before they did, as she studied the pieces he'd brought, hoping for a clue or a secret message in their placement. Oliven knelt before Kentina's corpse and frowned. That's, uh, that's strange. What is? He grinned wickedly. I see. Now I know something you don't. How does that feel? A man has been murdered and our friend has been wrongfully imprisoned. She reminded him icily. Cooling, he examined the corpse further. It's hard to say for sure, but he didn't die from being stabbed. Come here, there are multiple stab wounds in his back. But where's the blood? By the spirit mother, he was right. 
she cursed herself for not noticing. The dim light and her unwillingness to disturb her dead friend had concealed the tears in Kentina's dark clothing. Fingal would have picked up on that detail immediately. She touched her chest absently, wishing she could have his support. Olivan surveyed the scene with fresh eyes. So the scab entered, stabbed a man who was already dead, and left without stealing anything? We don't know that. Olivan gestured wildly. Ergid, here. That apple-looking gemstone embedded in onyx? Dirty and cheap-looking, but worth a lot in some underground markets. My father's friends are always talking about contraband and what's worth what and, and what the scavs are targeting in whatever season. The scav would have taken that, even if he didn't know its true value. But he didn't take it. So the scav entered, stabbed a man, left without stealing anything because... Because Kentina was already dead when he arrived, Riona finished gloomily. And the scav was hired by the real murderer to create the illusion of a simple crime. Now interested in Cantona's collection, Olivan inspected the various objects on display and returned to the nightstand, to the ball inscribed with the glyphs. What? Wait! Just as he reached for the object, Riona grabbed his arm and burnt him with her magic. Not hard, but enough to distract him. Ow! Her hand had left a reddish-purple imprint on him. Did you just brand me? Uh, oh, oh no, a am I in your power? Oh, please. The boy was hopeless. I was trying to stop you from touching it and ending up like my friend. Could have just said so. Is this going to fade? Is, is this a normal bruise or a magical one? Do I have to... Shh. Watch and listen. If Kentina was dead, she was already in danger. She had no choice but to use more magic. The magic she had already performed would attract Ricklar's attention, though no doubt word of an unconscious human woman with wings had already reached him. She had to be sure of her hunch. Carefully, she reached out to the object with her mind, and the power of the sleeping mother came to her like a gentle breeze. Although a Draclasia's power became weaker with each use, the more powerful the wielder, the more powerful a Draclage. She wasn't going to take any chances. The ball lifted into the air and spun slowly at eye level for Riona's consideration. Is that a seam in the middle? She asked Olivan, straining to see and concentrate on maintaining her spell. He squinted at it warily. Looks like. As she flicked her finger, the ball countered with resistance. She refocused her will, driven to exonerate Connor and avenge Cantona's death. There was a small... And then the ball opened on an invisible hinge. Olivan drew back as a cloud of magic released into the air and sprinkled mineral dust onto the wooden floor, remnants of the crystal magic used to create the foul instrument. A distinct, peculiar smell overtook the perfume and the stench of death permeating the room. 
a smell Riona feared and knew all too well. Passage, the fey herb that only grew on the archipelagos, a stronger and more foul-smelling salt, a perfect scent for someone as despicable as Ricklar de Dianel. Hi, I'm Clarcy Marshall. I'm the author and performer of Wing Torn. I hope you're enjoying the story so far. I wanted to interrupt myself to talk about a consistent struggle I've had related to my publishing career, and that's marketing my books. If you're an author like me, you know that writing and publishing is just the beginning. You put a story out there, and then what? Well, you have to make people aware of your books. And gaining the interest and trust of a stranger? It's hard work, and it doesn't happen by accident or by chance. It's also tough to know exactly what you're supposed to be focusing on, especially when you're still learning everything about book publishing. So, with that in mind, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming free marketing training I'm making for authors. This training is not a listicle about the best strategies to market and sell your books. This training teaches a foundational, authentic approach to beginning, or if you've been at this a while, rethinking your book marketing efforts. You will learn how to get excited about marketing your books, what to do when fear gets in the way, and how you can be less intimidated by the idea of creating your very own marketing plan. Yikes! This all comes from insights I've had from the last 10 years of writing, publishing, and selling thousands of books to people who have never heard of me before. So if you're an author struggling with marketing your titles, go to cmarshallpublishing.com forward slash training and sign up to be notified when this free training is live. Yep. That's right, it's free, and it's offered by yours truly. That's cmarshallpublishing.com forward slash training. C, like the letter C, Marshall with two L's, and publishing.com forward slash training. cmarshallpublishing.com forward slash training. And now, Wingtorn continues. Olivin wrinkled his nose. Even he could smell it. What is that? The murder weapon, Riona said softly. Olivin stared at her blankly. Riona sighed. He didn't deserve an explanation. Not after what he did. Come on, try me, he said, folding his arms. Or I'm gonna guess, and I'm not as good at guessing as Connor. Yes, that would be unpleasant to endure. She sighed. It's a draclage, roughly translated from the islander tongue, a magic trick contained in an ordinary object, like a prank with a specific trigger. Wielders can usually sense them, but 
They're sometimes used on beginners to hone their... Well, never mind. Cantona wasn't a wielder, though he did love to collect oddities. He must have acquired this recently. The poison spell within the Draclage would have been undetectable, but active upon touch. Without an antidote, his symptoms would have progressed from coughs and sniffles to difficulty breathing to death, which... She clenched her stomach again and leaned on the nightstand as she endured a wave of nausea, not as intense as the previous round, but enough to elicit a moment of sympathy from Olivan. So you really are still... Get back from it. The sphere tumbled to the floor and rolled across the room. Real evidence that Ricklar de Dianel had committed murder on the continent, or was involved in a murder. If she took this before the king, he would have no choice but to put support behind their cause. Regaining composure, she took one of Cantona's many neatly folded handkerchiefs on his shaky nightstand and retrieved the magical sphere gingerly from the floor. It leaves a magical trace on whomever touches it, she continued. Kneeling before Cantona, she checked and had Olivan confirm Trace amounts of a white, chalky substance remained on both of his hands. I can take that thing to Lieutenant Choate. Tell her about all the fade magic smells. Clear Connor's name, Olivan said excitedly. You've done enough. She shouldn't be bothered with him anyway. He was a filthy human traitor who would be best thrown into a pit of ravenous pigs. Only she turned away and dug her nails across her scalp. I'll deal with it, and if you know what's good for you, you'll stay away from me and Connor. I'm not giving up on him. He's my best friend. Really, you have a funny way of expressing your friendship. So do you, knocking people unconscious, taking people hostage. I live on the run because of people like you. Well, maybe if you actually registered as a local wielder and settled down and lived as a human, you wouldn't have to run. Let me talk to Chode and my other connections. I can probably get you in with the tower officials and reduce your sentence. She ground her teeth. I will take Connor to the tower because he requires training and he is a human. But if I go to the tower... My magic and everything that I am will be sliced open and scrutinized just because I'm the... What was she doing? This was pointless. She could already see on his face that he couldn't understand. He was a filthy traitor, an imperial bootlicker. At least Cantona had understood. He hadn't been perfect, and her perfect memory of him was tainted by the innocence of youth, but he and Fingal had done their best for her, for the world. So you really knew this man? Olivan asked. Riona nodded slowly, realizing she was taking in every detail of Kentana's corpse. She closed her eyes against it, struggling to keep her composure. This wasn't how she wanted to remember him. Without him, I wouldn't have... She cocked an ear. Incoming. Olivan hissed a suggestion and nearly shoved her beneath the bed, 
But Riona wasn't about to be trapped in a room that would likely be searched and cataloged for evidence. She dashed out of Kentonaw's room, down the hallway, and shut the door as Imperial boots fell heavily on the stairs. She listened against the door, curling herself into a ball as yet another round of pain punched her in the gut, less agonizing than the one prior. The still-unconscious Imperials on the floor didn't stir as the door down the hallway creaked swiftly. Ah, there you are. What are you doing in there? Now don't tell me you're trying to move the body all by yourself. She recognized the woman's voice from her poison-induced haze. Lieutenant Wiggins choked. As Oliven fumbled with an excuse, Riona crept to the still-unconscious Imperial nearest the door and nimbly rifled through her belongings, evaluated her armor for valuables, and decided to nick the woman's belt. The dress Oliven had chosen for her was too large in the chest, even when accounting for the wings sprouting from her back. She affixed the belt and secured the handkerchief holding the treclage to it, anxiously taking inventory of her and Connor's other effects scattered throughout the room. Her knife, gold coins from the scavs, a golden chain, paper airjid, and their abandoned wet clothes. The belt had one buttoned pouch. She perked up her ears and listened to Oliven and Choate as she gathered what she could from the room. I don't think he did it. He's always got his nose stuck in books. He's not the murdering type. The murdering type is everyone, Choate reprimanded him. Everyone can murder. You, me, oh, not me. I'm an Imperial, just like you will be. Riona heard the floorboards of the other room creak under the lieutenant's frantic pacing. The evidence is clear. Maybe that scav entered the room hoping for a quick score. But we can't arrest someone who isn't here. Can't convict a spirit. Your friend is an arsonist and a murderer already. You did the right thing by coming to me. Now, I can help you. Riona fumed. Ricklar's magical signature on the Draclage alone wouldn't be enough to implicate him in Kentana's murder. The king or any imperial could argue that Draclage's maker careless or dangerous, but not as criminally responsible as the person carrying out the crime. The runaway scav would have answers. He couldn't have gotten far with the rain. Perhaps he'd stopped for shelter. Wherever he was, he wouldn't escape Riona. Don't have to stay here. My guest room is open to you. Then, once you've gone through the induction ceremony, I could set you up here with a house of your own, a respected commission, maybe even a promotion to private first class within the year. That sounds generous, Lieutenant, Oliven admitted nervously. My father has always spoken highly of you, but I already have an arrangement with my father and the... Choate wasn't listening. Nonsense! It's the beginning. First, we have to deal with the Tower Inquisitor. The latest I can send the letter is two days from now, and then that's another week to the capital. Perhaps they take a week to ride down here. She cleared her throat, and the pacing stopped. Oh, yes, nothing to worry about. They'll decide your friend's fates quickly after that, and then they'll have to leave. And then you get to have the life of your dreams. And, and for me as well. We win. Just a few tiny things to take care of, and then we are all set. 
Tomorrow morning you'll help me sort out my office, yes? Uh, sure? Now, more delicately, she said, lowering her voice. Had Riona been a full-blooded human, she would not have heard the next part of the conversation. She leaned in closer to the door, while delicately securing the belt and attaching her belongings. Yvonne Tenley says the Fay is pregnant. Is that true? Who's the father? Is it the boy and myself? Stunned silence from Olivin. Then, I don't know anything about that. Our people will examine her to make sure. We'll check on her. Riona lifted the window by the tussled bed with the flick of her hand and balanced herself on the sill. She'd stayed too long. Olivan, he could not be trusted, no matter how remorseful he seemed. No, if she was going to find answers about Kentana's murder and rescue Connor, it was alone. Above her, another story of rooms, a steep roof, and the light rain washing her pale lavender skin. Below her, the darkness of an alley. She folded her wings and pressed them against her back, Exhaling gently and preparing herself for the long fall, she closed her eyes, opened her body to the magic, and left. Thank you for listening to Wingtorn. This episode was written performed, and produced by the author, Claire C. Marshall. The Wingtorn theme music is composed by Cloud Road Music, and additional music is by Irene Chan. For sponsorship or advertising inquiries, or to learn more about my books, please visit wingtorn.com.